Welcome to the Pro Running News Podcast, or welcome back if you're joining us again. Dave here, uh, not joined by Matt this week, as most of you or many of you would know, Matt is busy traveling around Japan and uh, has struggled to make things work from a timing perspective. So you'll have another solo episode from me. Hopefully that's not too bad, although our last one that I did solo did really well. It's one of our better performing episodes. So there is a bit of an inside theory in our podcast that uh, perhaps that's a good thing. So we'll crack on. Wanted to get this one out early for you all because the Valencia Marathon happened yesterday as I'm recording this. So Sunday, the 3rd of December, and it was as expected, pretty crazy, pretty impressive. So let's get into it. Let's get talk all things Valencia Marathon. So I think start off with coverage and thoughts. Um, you know, we often start with this and it's often pretty negative, but to be honest, I'm pretty positive on this. I thought the coverage was great. They had split screens. They split between men's and women's. They had the lead pack. They had the chasing pack. They were very clear with where people were in terms of course records, world records, national records even. They knew who was potentially going to break national records and how far under that pace they were. They were giving those splits in a meaningful way as well. So saying, you know, at 21Ks, the person is this fast, which is this many seconds under the world record, and then giving updates on that. I just, I couldn't be more positive about that stuff. I think that's what we need. It was really simple. Everyone could understand that. They're like 20 seconds down or whatever, plus, minus. It made sense. There was colors, there was pluses, there was minuses. It all made a ton of sense. So that was really good. So again, credit where credit's due, often pretty critical. But in this case, I thought it was done really, really well. Paces, paces were in specific pacing kit, which I love. I always think this is a good idea. Unfortunately, some of them weren't wearing it, but so be it. They did have a pacer bib on as well, which is cool. And then there was a ton of emphasis that was placed on people who are from other countries who are potentially going to break marathon records for the national, well, national records that you would otherwise not even get time uh, on TV. So I thought that was really cool to see that. It really brought people in. I, I know I've seen some commentary online that they actually didn't do a good job of this for the for the UK audience, but um, you know, we can't keep everyone happy. But I think uh, yeah, I think they did a pretty good job. Much bigger, like a much better step up than than previously. So in terms of the day conditions, are from what I could tell, pretty much perfect. There's, I mean, a large portion of this course at the time of day it's run is actually in the shade as well. So in terms of like heat and those sort of things, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, that was. Yeah, I think that was really good. So uh, if you're interested in how that affects things, go back and listen to an episode from a couple of episodes ago where we talked about the US national trials and where they were and what that meant in terms of their, uh, you know, the time of day. So let's start off with, is Valencia the fastest marathon in the world? I mean, we talked about this a little bit on episode four, which was over a year ago. And by the way, this is a full year's worth of episodes. So thanks to all those who are listening. Um, and thanks for those on Spotify rap to where the top podcast for, and that's really flattering. So really appreciate that. So yeah, episode four, we talked about, is this the fastest marathon in the world? And, um, geez, it does look that way. 28 guys broke 208 and for context, 208.10 is the, the Olympic qualifying time. And there are only, I think it's 65 places. So 28 guys did, went faster than that. Now, of course, Many of them were from the same country, so that it's not going to mean that these 28 run the Olympics, but geez, that's pretty impressive. Um, that's easily the most in history. Um, I think last year was 18 at Valencia um, and uh, and Osaka this year as well. So there were also 40 sub two, 200, uh, 210s, which is really, really quick. Uh, that's a previous uh, Olympic Games qualifier. So the only one um, that had more than that was 2021 Lake Biwa. So many of these stats are from Let's Run, so credit where credit's due as well there. We had 500, well, they had 5,281, which is 4,975 men and 306 women break the three-hour mark. 
which is its own world record that they broke. Uh, the previous record was 3,985, so they broke that by 1,300 or so um, from the previous Valencia. So, I mean, that's it's crazy. So I did see some commentary and some thoughts around, you know, will this become a major marathon? I don't think it will. I mean, there's lots of reasons why it won't. Um, we did an episode on episode seven about um, are the major marathons worth it? You know, probably worthwhile going back and listening to that, particularly in the light of, how Sydney is going towards being a major marathon and what's required for being a world marathon major. I don't think Valencia will go that way um, for lots of reasons, including wanting to diversify out of Europe for running. Um, but I think not being that is actually good for it in that the people who go have a different mentality, that sort of stuff. And we, we talked about this on that episode. So go back and listen to that if you're interested. For context for the rest of the episode, I already mentioned the men's Olympic qualifier is 208.10. The women's is 226.50. And those are important because of when we talk about, or when I talk about what people ran. So that will give you some context for that. So let's get into it. Let's talk uh, the women's race. Again, Matt would be into me saying that, you know, I should be more excited about this. It, It was a little bit hard to follow the women's race. One challenge with a run like this or race like this is there was a boatload of men around these women for a long time. Um, including somebody I recognized, Dan Nash, a UK runner, was, was you know, very, very prominent there. And it's not a criticism of Dan at all. I'm just saying, like, it was hard to follow this because it was kind of like this group of men with two paces in it, two women, and then like a bunch of men around. So it's kind of hard to see. And they, they were probably not getting the, the airtime they would have liked, but so be it. They pretty much ran as they were for quite a while with the women's lead pack. The second pack was pretty much Olympic standard uh, as well. So that, that was the chase pack. So it was kind of the spread you had. A 48.10, sorry, 48.02 through 15K, so just under the course record. They slowed through the half. At 25Ks, they were 120.09, which was 30 seconds, 32 seconds outside the course record. So it was pretty clear they weren't going to break that from that point. At 30K, they were 136.21, and they were starting to make a bit of a move. Degeffa went off the front um, with her pacer, and Ayana sort of was the other one there, and they, she sort of stayed back a bit, and her pacer helped her work back up onto that the back of uh, Degeffa, but that pretty much splintered that whole pack of men as well as women so they pretty much broke out from there you pretty much only saw these two all day the third woman the third woman um which was he what was just not visualized i didn't see her once in the race i saw more of the second pack uh, the chase pack there and that probably speaks to where she was physically in in the, sort of the back of that men's pack and then falling off the back of it at 35Ks, at 152, remembering that Ayana and Degeffa were together. But at this point, at 35Ks, Degeffa sort of broke away. Um, she went through 40K in 207. And then she obviously finished ultimately winning Degeffa in 215.51, which is a PB for her. And Ayana ran 216.21, which is a PB for her. Um, particularly interesting given Degeffa just had two years off to have two children. So good comeback, you could say. She did really well. I mentioned already Gebrekadan came third, 217.59. Uh, I'll read a couple other names here that were probably people I recognized or that our listeners would recognize. So uh, Genevieve Gregson, one of the better runs of the day, of course, I would say. She's an Australian. She came eighth in 223.08. Remembering the Olympic qualifier that we mentioned before is 226.50. Another Australian just after her in 10th, Izzy Batdoyle, who came in 223.27, so not far behind. And then Ger Justine from South Africa broke the national record there in 224 in 11th, uh, 224.03. Joan Chalimo, 224.16 for 12th. Lisa Waitman, who many might recognize again, another Australian there. They ran it as a pack. Uh, she came in 13th, 224.18. She'd be 
we'll talk about why she might not be so happy with that, but she was going for the Australian record, as I understand things. Uh, Laura Hottenrot came in 15th, 224.32. And then Clara Evans came in at 20th, 225.04. And Lily Partridge came in 21st at 225.12. So that's kind of a bit of a run through of the women's race and where they were in that. We'll talk about some national records and stuff as they come up later um, where it's relevant. Onto the men's race. Basically, um, at 30 minutes, they were on pace for a record, and that's a world record at this stage. So they started out really, really quickly. Remembering Kipchoge called pre-race that chapter guy was in world record shape or, you know, could break the world record. You know, go back to listen to our episode about stepping up to the marathon. That's a little bit harder than uh, than it sounds, I think. Um, so I, I was a little bit apprehensive as to how he would go. Um, easy to say that now in hindsight, but... I was never too sure but I mean he was also running in a t-shirt which really interested me I don't understand that like I get the arm sleeves thing I don't I get the singlet thing I don't really get the the t-shirt with the singlet over it or whatever but so be it um at 35 minutes um the pace is basically pulled away with a small group of people uh nine-ish of them and uh they sort of ran along Bikili was off the back of this which was interesting I thought oh he's blown already like he's got no hope um he ended up finding a bit of a couple of guys around him and we'll talk a bit about his pacing later. But then at 15Ks, they were ahead of world record, the world record by six seconds. So they were 43.03 through world record, oh, through 15K there. At 20Ks, they were 15 seconds up on the world record and there was a pack of eight at that point plus the paces. So they lost one. And at half marathon, they were 60.35, which Cicilema won, won the race. This was faster than his half marathon PB. Just put that in your head for a second. So his half marathon PB was 61.09. He ran a 60.35 through halfway and a 61.13 for the second half. So he ran basically his half marathon PB, or his four seconds off his half marathon PB in the second half, and he, and he, was, and he was faster than it in the first half. So that's uh, it's pretty impressive. He probably needs to run a few more halves. It probably says that more than anything else. But at 68 minutes, uh, there was paces plus four, basically. So Chapter Guy had blown at this stage. So left was uh, Lemma, Walder, uh, Dessau, and Guillet. At 25K, you know, still 12 seconds under world record pace. There was 71.52. Fifth and sixth, so Kibbutz Candy and Matisu were still a bit off the back and they're sort of holding on, but were sort of looking like they're a bit out of it. At the 75-minute mark, you had one, uh, one of the paces pulled out and Kibiwat Candy was actually pulling back onto the group, which was really interesting to see. I mean, he's run a 57-minute half marathon, so everyone was sort of thinking, okay, he's he's on here, he's coming back to the pack. Um, then at 119, Lemmer and the Pacer went off the front. Candy passed Walder, uh, so that was Candy was sitting in second then, and Walder was in was in um, third. 122, there's a group of three plus the Pacer now, so they're sort of grouped back up. Um, 126 they were through 30k still 27 seconds under the world record so they're at 30k they're under the world record pace and you still got a group of three guys which is was saying to me i was sort of thinking to myself geez there's a chance here because if you've got a race to the end there's always a chance of a world record of course and that's the big thing that was so hard and everyone sort of said about kipchoge was no one could hang with him right so 128 um the pace has stepped off so there was just the three of them together at 141 um lemma's solo and uh, just strung the field out. Waller was second, Candy was third at this stage. He went through 35K in 140.41, so he was 19 seconds off the world record, so he was still ahead of the course record, but he was he'd sort of slowed down quite a bit, obviously. He obviously put a bit of work in there. 
at 40Ks, he was still under the course record by 26 seconds. He was 155.12. Remembering Kelvin Kipton set that course record last year. Uh, Lemma ultimately wins it, as we we probably know by now. He's 201.4, which is a new course record. That course record has been broken every year for something like 10 years. It's really, really impressive. Matisso came back. Alexander Matisso came back through the field, ended up coming second. I wrote here, like, Candy and Walder, like, what, what the heck happened to them? So Walder ended up coming third in 203. Uh, 48. Um, Matisse obviously ran a PB. Walder um, was there, was battling a little bit when he came through the line. Um, but Geely came through the field as well. 204.19 he ran, and we'll talk about what that means. Gabriel Gier, who's had a great year, came in fifth, 204.33. Kibi Watt Candy came in 204.48. So he had a pretty good run. I mean, 213 was his previous PB. It's 57 half guy. People were saying 213 wasn't quite where you know his potential was. I think 204 is a, probably a better representation. He'd probably be a bit disappointed, but I think he's, he's done pretty well there. Um, some other names people might recognize. Uh, Nico Navarro. I'm not sure if anyone else knows him. I just know some of his content. It's been up in Kenya. was unreal content, so have a look at him. He's a French marathon runner, so he was 14th in 205.53. Uh, Richard Ringer. 207.05 in 19th. Titus Kipruto was one of the favorites in the pre-race. Here in 207.22, probably be a bit disappointed. Khalid Chukud from the Netherlands ran 207.37. So that was pretty pretty good from Khalid as well. So he just he ran Amsterdam, just missed the Olympic qualifier, and then obviously just ran this. So remembering he needed to run under 208.10. I think he ran like 208 and in the teens. So he just missed it. So he'd be stoked with that run as well. British men uh, in 57th, Muhammad Muhammad came in at 208.42, and Phil Sensman in 53rd came in 208.49, so just missing Olympic qualifiers. Dan Nash came in at 215.22 for 104th. Those are your top three. So I guess who'd be disappointed? Well, you'd mention you'd realise Joshua Chapter guy came he came something like 39th, ran 209, missed the Olympic qualifier by 49 seconds. He came in looking really rough. Um, so I think he probably got a bit of a welcome to the to the marathon, so to speak. Probably not real happy, but he's he's sort of since his social media team because I'm not convinced it's him, but uh, has put out something on social saying he'll run the marathon again, but not uh, until after Paris. So obviously go back to the five and ten k and probably dominate those uh, or try to anyway. So that's good for him. Lisa Waitman, um, it's probably so back to people who'd be disappointed. So chapter guy we mentioned, um, Lisa Waitman, as we said, was looking for the Australian record by all reports, ended up coming like third of the Australian women. Uh, so probably still going to go to the Olympics, but probably not stoked with that run. Um, she did look pretty rough coming across the, the finish line, so she probably tried to really go for it and rinsed herself and really struggled. Eloise Willings, the fourth of the Australians, ran an Olympic qualifier, ran 205 something, but not quite a PB. Probably doesn't help her too much. I mean, you've got three spots there. Lisa Waitman's, you know, one of the likely scenario there you've obviously got jen gregson who ran really well and got sort of top of the three of the four girls on the day coming in fourth for eloise wellings of those in that race like that means you're not a great chance of the olympics so yeah uh, other people who were probably not super happy scott forbel who didn't run but the usa as a result of this the usa is not guaranteed three olympic spots and he's the third of the olympic unless he runs the olympic qualifier and i don't think he can at this stage or he won't or he's not planned to so there's no guarantee of a third spot for the Olympics. He's currently sitting in something like, it's a bit hard because one of the runners sort of on that bubble there, he's like right on the bubble because there's a runner ahead of him who's just been banned for doping. And there's another one who's from Guatemala who 
apparently they aren't recognized or they're, they're banned from the Olympics. So again, all of this is from Let's Run with credit to them and and thanks to them. But it's a bit of a, yeah, he'd be sweating bullets a little bit at the moment. So those are probably the people who are not super happy about that. And I think it probably shows the way, again, like those who pace the marathons well do well here. So we talked about Matisse, we talked about uh Bikili and those two guys ran really smart races. If you go look at their splits, and I won't recount them for you, I don't want to spend an episode reading numbers, but they ran really even races. When people went off the back, oh, sorry, when, when they fell off the back and people went off the front, they just sat still, like sat pretty confident with their pacing and came through the field really well. Matisu has been quoted as saying so. So I think, you know, those who try and go out the front, it's very brave and, and you can talk about, you know, running to feel and all that stuff, but, you know, understanding how to pace a marathon is really, really important. And I think those guys showed, um, showed that, right. So that's, you know, one of Bikili's better runs, um, despite, you know, what it might've looked like. So, I mean, who else would be, so who'd be stoked aside from Bikili's sponsor, the, the Chinese company that I can't remember the name of with, uh, apologies and respect. Um, yeah, they'd be stoked of course. Who else? I mean, there were something like 15 women's uh, national records and six men's national records. So all of them, I won't read them all, but I mean, women's was like Spain, Turkey, Italy, South Africa. We mentioned with Kyrgyzstan before, Switzerland, Finland, Ecuador, Wales. We mentioned Clara Evans, again, ran a, a fairly big, I think it was about a minute off that record. Um, Czech Republic, Poland, Mauritius, Austria, um, I think it was Costa Rica, which was also the Central American record. There's a few others. And then the men's was Spain, Uzbekistan, Guatemala, Ecuador, Georgia, North Macedonia. So, I mean, they'd all be very happy and, and with, you know, due right as well. Um, the French would be happy. I, this really surprised me, just probably my ignorance showing more than anything else. But um, they had Medifria and Nicholas Navarro both got into the top 20, but they both ran 205. They had Felix Ball run 206. Mduni Mohad ran 206 and Benjamin Coquette's Apologies to our French listeners. I am learning French, believe it or not. Um, anyway, got 207. So they had f- five guys between 205.43 and 207.42, which is insane. And they also had four women qualify for the Olympics. The women split between 224.44 and 225.50, which is crazy. So that was Mekdes, Waldu, Melody, Julien, Manon, Trapp, and then Fadua Ledham. Please excuse my dog in the background. So, I mean... Yeah, they, the French would be very happy. All of those runners and the French people themselves, particularly with the home Olympic Games coming. So really great effort from them. Who else? Jake Smith would be stoked. Uh, so Jake was pacing the... We mentioned him on our Red S episode, so I wanted to give him another shout out. Jake was pacing the Olympic qualifiers. He took them through half marathon. And then he helped Debarba for a bit, who couldn't finish, and then helped uh, Clara Evans for a bit. So, I mean, that's, that's a really good day out he ended up running i don't know how many kilometers but did a really good job ran fast he's on the comeback doing really well so i think everybody's stoked about that and yeah i'm stoked to see it definitely we mentioned clara evans already and again special shout out she obviously works at sweat elite coaching academy so that's cool mentioned jen gregson she's not booked herself an olympic games ticket but she's she's close uh, she couldn't have done much more than that so that's only a second marathon she's done really well so she's got a big future in marathoning i think and she's already had a huge future uh, huge passed in uh in steeplechasing so killing it and then of course Bikili I mean Jesus a bit to say here uh so he's planning to try to get to the Olympics he's obviously a three-time track gold medalist not selected for 2016 or 2021 Olympics um three people have run faster than him in 2023 which is Tedeschi Tequili who ran 203 
for third in Berlin. Cicilema obviously ran 201 to win this race, and David Walder, who beat him in this race as well. So there's also other people who won World, um, world Marathon Majors this year, though. So Charlie Desso won Tokyo, and Tamarit Tola won New York. So it doesn't seem likely. Um, that said, Desso ran Valencia and, and was behind uh, Piquili. So it doesn't seem likely that Kenny's going. I mean, depends on how Ethiopia make their selections, apparently, last time. And again, thanks to Let's Run for this. But last time they sort of had an impromptu 35K uh, sort of trials that the Piquili decided not to go to. But I think he was injured, but... Regardless, I, it just feels like he's not going. If I'm selecting that team, part of you wants to select him because he's um, sort of as a respect thing, but he doesn't. He's a bit rocks and diamonds of the marathon. He doesn't get many right because he's often injured. So that's one thing. He's not going to get less injured with age, and also like you give the young guys a go usually. So it feels like he's not. Yeah, it feels like he's not a good chance, unfortunately, for him. But it's also worth noting he set a, f- a Masters record, a 40-plus world record of 204.19. He's the first man under 205, 40-plus-year-old uh, man. So last year in Berlin, he broke that record. Uh, sorry, in London, sorry, he broke that record, 205.53. Uh, but Tedesi Abraham surpassed him running 205.10 in Berlin in September. But yeah, that's uh, it's real impressive. And yeah, in case you're interested, apparently Kipchoge's not 40 yet. So we'll see how that goes. So yeah, I mean, yeah, what do you say about that? Um We'll carry on. So I think Bikili, great run. Hoping to see him run faster again and and line up for a couple more, but I don't think we're going to see him in the Olympics, unfortunately or fortunately. Unsure how they feel. Talked about Eloise Wellings already. She ran, as I said, she ran 225.47, but her PB is 225.10 from Nagoya. I don't think she'd be super happy with this. I think on the standings Nagoya would count a little bit more just because it's a women's only race so no male pacemakers so yeah I don't think she'd be stoked I mean she ran an Olympic qualifier she's given herself a chance but she's fourth on the day and you know that's without Sinead Diver there so doesn't seem likely that she gets a another Guernsey unfortunately so that's really unfortunate for Louise another unsure Izzy Bat Doyle like she ran really well she was running a PB she ran an Olympic qualifier. She'd be stoked. It's, I think, second or third marathon. But, yeah, she's she's third on the day of the Australians. Sorry, she was second on the day of the Australians. But um, Lisa Waitman is, is probably ahead of her in the rankings in many ways. So um, hard to hard to think she's uh, going to get a, a look. But, again, I said that I said what I said about Kenisa Bikile. And, and, look, it's hard um, – to, for the Australians to, to select that team. I mean, Lisa's been to many Olympics before and almost always performs at championships, so you'd be selecting her based on that. But you've got this crop of up-and-coming young marathoners that you're trying to nurture, and then you've got this group of really great runners who are, and I'm not going to mention ages because I know it annoys them all, but they're a little bit older, and it's hard to make that call. Do you pick for the team now? Do you pick for the next ones? How do you think about it? You know, most people would probably say, okay, you need to balance that, but then... If you're balancing it, then maybe Izzy gets a look. It's hard to know. I mean, she went to the last Olympics and ran, I think it was a 5,000. So, yeah, it's it's a tough call. I wouldn't be wanting to make those calls. And, yeah, it's, it's a hard one for her. But I'm sure she'll keep running. I'm sure they'll look at different ways of proving fitness, running faster, et cetera, et cetera. And that's possibly the, the benefit here is that you've got one on the board. You can run one in the first half of next year. You can sort of spend some time off now over maybe some Christmas time retrain and then run first half of next year and then be ready for the the olympics as well remembering the olympics is going to be hilly so he'd probably want to try and yeah it's hard that's hard i mean maybe you're in boston in april 
uh, try and qualify from top 10 there. But I mean, you really need to be running a time now because you're, you're talking about times amongst the Australians. So it's a little bit difficult. But yes, there, so be it. So that's it for another episode of Pro Running News. Appreciate you listening in and apologies for a bit of, you know, the lack of conversation. These episodes, especially the recap ones, generally go better with Matt. He's got a lot of insights in terms of runners and, and their previous PBs and that. So apologies for it to be a bit of a monologue. Also apologies for the dog in the background. As always, uh, really appreciate you liking, subscribing and sharing the podcast. It obviously helps us grow. And again, thanks to those who were in the top for uh, Spotify uh, wrapped. Really appreciate that. And if anybody else is, if you know, when you are getting those, if you want to share them and tag us in them, we'd be love, loving to hear that. So as always, also send through questions. We are getting to a couple more listener questions in the coming weeks. Appreciate you all. Take care.